Welcome to the weekend edition of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith. And man, we have a lot to get to. So grab your ticket, get on board, enjoy the ride, because this train is going to take you on a journey. NFL highlights, NCAA football highlights, championship weekend for college football. So enjoy the ride, put on your seatbelt. Let's take this journey because the A-Train Sports Talk podcast is starting next. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Good evening on a Saturday night, and all I can say is a lot has happened today in the world of football, NFL, and NCAA. Matter of fact, this was championship weekend as some conference championship games were played, and now it's time for the committee to decide who is going where. Of course, there's a lot of shade being thrown at Ohio State, whether they deserve to be in it or not. But that's one of those situations. I'm glad I don't have to figure that out. All I do is sit and run my mouth on a podcast. But let's get to some highlights right now. Here you see the the numbers. Only Northwestern has been better on defense. There's Chandler Morris into the game and he runs in for a touchdown. Morris took the snap. Mims right here. You've got to defend deep shots with Oklahoma. Rattler looks like he wants to launch one deep. He's going deep for Mims and has the touchdown. Great call by Lincoln Riley and by Todd Black. Legends, 45 yards. This shot, right? Iowa State almost had an interception. He turns a really good player, the safety Greg Eisworth, completely around. This is his third straight game with a lower body injury. Rattler, design keep, turns the corner and scores. Jay Hubble couldn't take him down at the corner. And Rattler was on his way to the end zone with a nine-yard score. Be surprised to see a fake and a keep by Brock Purdy. Way up into the air. There is another flag down thrown by the official on the far sideline this time. On second goal, Hall driving toward the end zone for a touchdown. Just to snap it. Didn't look like anybody moved. Purdy, can he rescue this? Purdy lofts it up. 
jump call, and it is intercepted by Trey Brown. Another huge play by the senior from Tulsa. And those were highlights from the Big 12 championship game won by Oklahoma by the Oklahoma Sooners by a final count 27-21 that last interception by Brock Purdy pretty much sealed their fate so where would you like to see Oklahoma playing at? They're, they're not going to be in the final four but one of those New Year's Six games against one of those up-and-coming teams, say like a Coastal Carolina or a Louisiana, or how about a Cincinnati? Those teams have chips on their shoulder with something to prove. That could also be a dangerous game for Oklahoma to find themselves playing in. Well, let's just keep the highlights rolling. Because the Big Ten championship game. Had Ohio State. Against Northwestern. And. A lot of people are saying they don't think Ohio State deserves a spot. it to the 45 before he is finally stopped by safety Brandon Joseph but Trey Sermon a big run and a first down quarterback Justin Fields out of the pistol hands to Trey Sermon shooting straight ahead to his own 15 to the 20 Sermon to his own 30 40 Sermon to the 50 yard line into Northwestern territory breaks it wide to the left side and he'll be taken down inside Northwestern's 30 yard line by linebacker Chris Bergen Trey Sermon first down and then some yeah you might want to keep that on the ground even longer Trey Sermon now 10 carries 100 55, 150 yards, 65 on that play. Pistol formation with Fields and Sermon behind him. Give to Sermon. Sermon running left side. He'll hit the 50-yard line. Makes it to the 40 of Northwestern. Goes wide to the right to the 30. And linebacker Chris Bergen will stop him at the Northwestern 24-yard line. What a day so far for Trey Sermon. He's getting close to 200 yards. Mm. He's getting up in there in Ezekiel Elliott territory in the Big Ten Championship. At that time, he started to the left found a hole to the right and then found a big gaping hole and just hit it out of the pistol handoff sermon shooting ahead sermon to the five and sermon is going to take it into the end zone for a touchdown run of nine yards for ohio state second and goal from northwestern's three fields pitches to sermon right side and sermon will take it to the house for the touchdown run on three yards his second scoring run of the day trey sermon and it's 22 to 10 ohio state that's who should have gotten the ball that who deserved the ball and that's who deserved the touchdown, Chase Sermon. Yes, Ohio State. We're so used to hearing about Justin Fields, possible Heisman candidate, but today it was a Trey Sermon show. As number four, Ohio State holds off number 14, Northwestern, by final count. 22 to 10. Oh, we're not through yet. Let's go ahead and go to the 
American Athletic Conference, a team that seems to be getting the Rodney Dangerfield treatment, University of Cincinnati against Tulsa. And they were in a dog fight today. They were most definitely in a dog fight. Tulsa brought their game. Tulsa has been no slouch this year. The teams that they did play that were ranked, they knocked them off. They were ready for this game, and it showed. So what we're going to do is find out how did Cincinnati fare against that other team in the state of Oklahoma that plays football, not named OU nor Oklahoma State. So let's cue that up and get you these highlights of a game I believe is going to go down probably in AAC as most likely a, a classic. Some turning away as Cole Smith tries to win it for the Bearcats. Yes, that game went down to the wire. It took a last-second field goal for Cincinnati to come out on top. But there were also some other key highlights in this game. And I know I'm doing it backwards, but hey, it is what it is. So let's give you some more of these highlights. As in this sequence, Tulsa reaches a 24-24 tie with Cincinnati as Zach Smith connects with Juan Carlos Santana right at the goal line to score a 13-yard touchdown with just under four minutes left in the game. Let's see how that play unfolded. Under four minutes to play, trailing by a touchdown. Smith steps up in the pocket to the end zone. It goes. It is caught. Touchdown, J.C. Santana. And a beautiful throw from Smith. Moved in the pocket a little bit, just a little bit, moving up and throwing a strike to Santana, working in one-on-one coverage against Kobe Bryant. Yes, that was definitely a barn burner of a game. However, Cincinnati comes out on top. Final score, 27-24. We're not through. There was another game. A lot of hype. Question is, did this game live up to the hype? The rematch. The rematch. For the ACC title. 
Clemson, and Notre Dame. A lot was said that Notre Dame had what it took to probably win this game. The question is, did they? Well, we are about to find out. Had the sack in the first Notre Dame possession to force the long field goal. Lawrence to throw on first down. And we'll take a shot. Wide open is Rogers, and he's gone. Just like that, Clemson takes the lead. Receivers alone. That's the thing Clark Lee said. Early downs, we're going to have to take the chance. Our guys are going to have to hold up. And that time, Trevor Lawrence makes them pay. Second and four. So, yep, in dominant fashion, Clemson extracts revenge. So, yes, they will get their respectful spot in the college football playoff, no doubt. I'm pretty sure right now the committee already has it inked. They are the number two-seeded team in the playoffs. Notre Dame, well, thanks for coming today. But they went down to defeat by a score of 34 to 10. Keep in mind that right now, here's how the rankings are looking right now. Number four, Ohio State. Number three, Clemson. Number two, Notre Dame. I'm pretty sure that's liable to change. So that leads us to what? The number one team, Alabama against number seven, Florida, for the SEC championship. And let me just tell you right now, it was most definitely a high-scoring affair. If you were looking to go to a football game, you probably saw a basketball game break out, or at least high school level of basketball. You get the picture. It was a high-scoring game. You remember once upon a time, there was a time when the SEC was methodical, smash mouth. Not anymore. So, let's get you these highlights and see how things played out. One thing I will tell you, it was very entertaining.
sideline. The snap to Jones. He swings the pass off to the left for Harris. Harris makes the catch. Another missed tackle. Turns upfield and scores a touchdown. Once again, I don't know where the coverage was. Harris came out of the backfield. The ball between the hash marks. The snap back to Jones. Jones pump fake right now throws the ball on the right side to Dodgy Harris, who makes the catch, and he runs in for a touchdown. Marco Wilson had man coverage on a running back after Jones. Jones looks to throw it quickly, fires to Dodgy Harris. He makes the catch and spins across the goal line. He's in again. Dodgy Harris has scored his third touchdown reception of the first half, and Alabama goes back to a 17-point lead. 34 to 17. Under center, hands the ball off to Harris, trying to run the ball off to the right and down to the goal line, but stood up short of the goal line, about a half yard away. It'll be second and goal. And during the injury timeout, the previous play went under review. And after review, the official said the ball crossed the goal line. They overturned the call and awarded Alabama a touchdown. And there you have it as Alabama comes away with the victory. Final score of 52 to 46. So, yeah, those are some entertaining championship games. The only thing we hate is the fact that some games didn't get played. It would have been nice to see what Coastal Carolina and Louisiana would have done. So let's give you some news right here. As the Rose Bowl CFP semifinal will be moved to AT&T Stadium. Let's give you this because this is some important news because California, as you know, are under some serious restrictions right now. So we are going to give you an update as to what's going on. We do have the story up before us right now. other teams and other conferences a, a real opportunity to be a player in the playoffs. And that means even the group of five. So maybe a Cincinnati, maybe a Coastal Carolina, you know, even an independent, maybe like a BYU if they were undefeated, Kirk. Yeah, I remember when the BCS was was part of the system and people got upset about the computers and all that. But I, I kind of liked the BCS because it, I did too. It, it, it made it feel like there are only two teams and there was such urgency every week in college football. Yeah. Every week you felt like, I don't care if it was August 31st, right. the games felt intense. Yeah. And we would all say that the playoff is the entire regular season. I just feel like, not, not 2020 during COVID, I just feel like the, last, the six previous years, going back to 2014 when the playoff started, I wanted to give it a chance. I thought, hey, you know, going to go to four teams. This is great. And what I've seen is we've lost, this in my opinion, I'm a college football junkie. I watch all the games. I don't see, feel the same sense of urgency week to week in college football. So I think that's 
a potential concern. I don't know if it goes to eight. Does it change that? I don't know if that would be the answer necessarily. But all I know is Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State every year are going to be in it. Clemson's coming out of the ACC. Bama's coming out of the SEC. Ohio State's coming out of the Big Ten. And so you're fighting for one spot. And I know the thing is, well, then beat them if you want to. But but to me, what's this doing for the fans and for the next generation of players? It's almost like opt-outs, games don't matter. That's what I think we've created because yeah. of this system that yep. we currently have. And we, we've got to reevaluate that. So we've got to look at that. If we expand the playoff number, more teams are involved. Less opt-outs I think is good. One of the things I think will make the committee's decisions easier is more out-of-conference games. So take away, take away the conference divisions. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that needs to go. Yeah. And now every team from every division. So if you're in the SEC – you play – every team is going to play one team from the uh, ACC, one team from the Big Ten, one team from the Big 12, one team from the Pac-12. So four non-conference games against other division or other conferences. So now we know in our conferences how that works, and we have a measuring stick. Now you have a conference championship uh, game where everybody's yeah. who wins their conference championship is in. You can expand it to six. You can expand it to eight. I think it makes it Listen, easier to diagnose – And as that panel was talking, that's the game day group. You heard them hinting maybe at expansion. And I think it should be expanded. I hear people saying if you expand it, it's going to be watered down. I doubt that very seriously. Here's what you do. I don't even think eight is the answer. I say you make it a 12-team playoff. However, the top four teams, hypothetically, since they say the ones that are always in there, let's say Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and whoever the number four team is, those teams get a bye, which means teams five through 12 have to play it out. Kind of elimination. You see them five through 12, and then they go and play. One, two, three, and four. And then you'll see teams like Cincinnati get in, maybe a Coastal Carolina. But right now, as of this current format, no group of five has ever made playoffs. What a travesty. The college football playoffs in my final scheduled to take place at the Rose Bowl Stadium in Pasadena, California, has been moved to AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, the Rose Bowl announced Saturday. The game will take place on January 1 and be broadcast by ESPN. According to the release, the decision to move the game was based on the growing number of COVID-19 cases in Southern California, along with the inability for players and coaches, families to attend because of state restrictions during the pandemic. Since March, all sporting events in California have been unable to host fans and participants' families. The Pasadena Tournament of Roses made its first appeal for a special exemption to the Rose Bowl game in November and followed up with a second request to the state this month. Both requests were denied. According to reports on Saturday, the Tournament of Roses had asked state health officials to allow 400 to 500 spectators in the 95,000-seat stadium. We know that the decision was not an easy one to make, said David Eads, CEO and executive director of the Tournament of Roses, in a statement. 
while we remain confident that a game could have been played at the Rose Bowl Stadium as evident in other collegiate and professional games taking place in the region, the projection of the COVID-19 cases in the region has continued on an upward trend. The Terminal of Roses also stated that with significant strain on medical resources throughout Los Angeles County, the well-being of the student-athlete needs to come first, and that continues to be our top priority. It hasn't been determined if the CFP semifinal in Dallas will be called the CFP semifinal at the Rose Bowl game presented by Capital One. The name is part of the master license agreement and is co-owned by the Pasadena Tournament of Roses and the City of Pasadena. We are very grateful to Rose Bowl officials and the City of Pasadena CFP Executive Director Bill Hancock said in a statement, they have worked hard to listen to the concerns of the CFP the teams that might have played there and their state government officials. So there is some movement going on with the semi-finals. So, first segment is in the book. It's your college football previews, your college football updates, highlights, and some news there for you. So what I'm going to do right now here is I am going to take a break. When I come back, we're going to dive into some NFL. So stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. I'll be back after this word from my sponsor. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome back to my next segment, and we are going to lead in with the NFL now because there are some games played today. And let's just say the number 25, if you're in Orchard Park, New York, is a magic number. What's so magical about that? Well, just like 50 was a magic number for the Chiefs because it's been that long since they won a Super Bowl. 25 is the magic number for the Bills since they won a division championship. Division, clinch the division championship. And to be able to host a playoff game. So, how did those bills from Buffalo fair today as they went on the road to face the Broncos who broke out the throwback helmets. Remember the old blue helmets with the D on there with the horse coming through? Yes, they went back with the old school. Only thing I can't figure out is why did they go with the color rush? It looked kind of spiffy, but that's neither here nor there. But I was digging those throwback helmets. I actually like those better than I like the ones they currently have. That's just my opinion. Now, other Bronco fans may have opinions. Some may agree with me. Some may disagree with me. But, hey, that's their prerogative. 
But anyway, there was a game played between the Buffalo Bills and Denver Broncos in the Mile High Stadium. So did the Bills get what they were looking for? Well, let's just find out. For the snap, takes it, going to throw, stands in the pocket, tucks his arm, now fires into the end zone, caught, touchdown Buffalo, Dawson Knox makes the catch, touchdown Buffalo, he was wide open, a nine-yard touchdown catch. Yeah, he was wide open, Josh Allen gave this big, huge pump fake, and the defense once again looked like it had been electrocuted, they all just froze. Now the snap. Broncos rush five. Josh gets away from pressure. Going to keep it and run with it. Inside the 15, inside the 10. Headed for the end zone. Touchdown. Josh Allen, a 24-yard touchdown run for the Buffalo Bills. He made it look easy. Nobody touched him. Nobody touched him. Oh, goodness gracious. On third and five, Josh Allen runs it in. Now the snap. Allen looks, looks. Guns it downfield. Strike. Touchdown, Jake Gumero. Touchdown, Buffalo. He threw a strike, an absolute fastball to Jake Kumaro for his first touchdown in a Buffalo uniform. Wow. The stand, Josh rolls right, looks back left. Now he's rolling to his right again, and he's going to keep it and try to run into the end zone. Is he in? Yes, touchdown Buffalo. Josh Allen runs it in from a yard out. He had all day long to pick a, a spot down there. He didn't want to pull the trigger, and he ran it in instead of So guess what? The Buffalo Bills cruise cruise past the Broncos en route to their first AFC East championship. Entering The 2020 season, Buffalo Bills general manager Brandon Bean said the team's goal was to host a playoff game. Mission accomplished. The Bills captured their first AFC title since 1995 with a 48-19 win on Saturday at the Denver Broncos, mocking up their second straight playoff berth as well as a home playoff game come January. I'm just so thankful, and I'm so happy for the fans, Bill's coach Sean McDermott said. It's just such a cool place to be a part of because of the work ethic of the people and the character of the people in Buffalo. I'm humbled just to be one part of it, honestly. Buffalo has been waiting for this for 25 years. It's just special. Bill's left tackle. Deion Dawkins said, if I could explain it, it's just an unexplainable feeling. The division title is the latest milestone in Buffalo's turnaround under Bean and McDermott, who has led the team to the playoffs in three of his first four seasons. Both Bean and McDermott received multi-year contract extensions in August, with the former crediting the opportunity to lead the franchise back to relevance as one of the deciding factors in his taking the job. This community and this team had such a great tradition in the late 80s and early 90s to where it failed to in the 2000s until Sean and I got here. I think that's what was exciting being said. This was an opportunity in a place that's been down for so long. 
that has such a great tradition and still has a great fan base. How exciting would it be to get this thing turned around and host playoff games here? That's what Sean and I want. We want to win in the AFC East so that we can host games here. That's been the goal all along. Hosting a playoff game is a goal McDermott has preached since his debut season in 2017. After a pair of wild card appearances in 2017 and 2019, his players are relieved to have delivered on one of their coaches' most prevalent aspirations. It feels amazing just to hear him talking about how in 2017 and to lead us to the playoffs, it was incredible, defensive end Jerry Hughes, the longest tenured player on the Bills roster, said. We knew we had the right guy in the building. It's been a fun journey watching how Sean has impacted this organization. Buffalo won its title behind another masterful performance from MVP candidate Josh Allen, who threw for 359 yards and scored four touchdowns, two each on the ground and through the air. His favorite target was wide receiver Stephon Diggs. Wonder if Minnesota misses him right about now. Who continued to reach new heights in his first season with the team. One week after setting a career high in receiving yards, Diggs set another in receptions, and he broke Eric Mould's franchise record for catches in a single season along the way. Diggs finished with 147 yards on 11 catches before leaving with a foot injury. His injury isn't thought to be serious, a source said. Diggs now has 111 catches for 1,314 yards on the season. The 25-year division drought was the third longest in the NFL, led by Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly, whose 1995 Bills were just two years removed from four straight trips to the Super Bowl. But many of the Bills' key players in 2020 were either not born or too young to remember the teams of the 1990s, including Allen, linebacker Tremaine Edmonds, and cornerback Tredavious White. Stories of past Buffalo teams are exactly that to the current version stories and while mcdermott tells his team that its predecessors laid a solid foundation it's time for these bills to establish their own the history of the buffalo bills is great but the team that we have now we don't have anything to do with what happened in the past why you said let's make our destiny let's make our own history let's make our own stories let's be the next team to go to four straight super bowl let's win one Let's be the team to finally get Buffalo up and win for the city. This team here, we're on a mission. I can feel it. After the game, players were searched at red. One, not done. On odd to the achievement of one goal remaining focused on the next. Allen said the division title feels really good, but was more of a means to an end than a primary goal. The quarterback said that taking the division crown and earning a home playoff berth, a home playoff game, makes the larger goal of winning the Super Bowl more attainable. That's not our main goal. We set out to do this in order to give us a chance to do what we really want to do, and that's win a Super Bowl championship, Allen said. Everything's still in front of us. This just gives us an opportunity to give us a shot. That's all we can ask for. Although fans have not been allowed at Bill Stadium all season as part of Erie County's COVID-19 protocols, Buffalo has been as supportive as ever throughout the team's best season in 25 years. 
fans flew a banner with a message of support over the stadium before the Bills hosted the Los Angeles Rams in week three. And at least one former player is excited for one of the league's most tortured fan bases. It's like a college atmosphere, former Bills defensive end Cornelius Bennett said. I didn't miss a beat when I went from the University of Alabama fan base to the Buffalo Bills fan base. It was tremendous. It still is. I've been around a bit, and I don't compare it to anywhere else. Bennett, who is a Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist for 2021, said he recently met with fans and that they were ecstatic at not only the Bills' chance at the division title, but also the fact that the defending AFC East champion, New England Patriots, were knocked out of the running with four games remaining. With a playoff berth and a division title locked up, there are still a few records left to play for as the Bills prepare to play the Patriots on Monday night football in Week 16. Allen is 359 yards away from Drew Bledsoe's single-season franchise record of 4,359 passing yards. Although Allen did become the second player in franchise history to eclipse 4,000 passing yards in a single season, Allen is also three touchdown passes away from Jim Kelly's single-season record of 33. Cole Beasley, who caught eight passes for 112 yards on Saturday, has already set career highs in yards and receptions, but needs just 50 yards for the first 1,000-yard season of his career. Wonder if the Cowboys miss him. The Bills haven't had two 1,000-yard receivers since Peerless Price and Moles in 2002. Several Bills left Saturday's contest with injuries, including Diggs, White, cornerback Levi Wallace, defensive end A.J. Eponesia, and kick punt returner Andre Roberts. McDermott said afterward he didn't have updates on any of the team, on any of them, but the team does have nine days until it plays the Patriots. So, congrats go out to the Buffalo Bills. So that was just one game to talk about. However, there were some more games played today. As we take a look at some of the scores, Pull those up. Well, first of all, let me give you the rundown of the schedule tomorrow. Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming in at 8 and 5 take on the Atlanta Falcons. 49ers will travel in to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Detroit Lions will take on the Derrick Henry-led Tennessee Titans. The Houston Texans will hook it up against Phillip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts. An intriguing game, the Patriots 6-7 and seven, up against the Miami Dolphins 8-5. and five. Right now, the line on that game 
I cannot believe I'm giving y'all a line on this. Miami at minus one with the over under 41.5. About the two teams, six and seven, probably playing for their playoff life. Both teams are six and seven, Chicago Bears against the Minnesota Vikings. Then you have the Seattle Seahawks going up against a red hot Washington football team. You have the 1 and 12 Jaguars, Jacksonville going up against the 8 and 5 Baltimore Ravens. And then you have the team that is playing for their lottery life, the 0 and 13 Jets going up against the 9 and 4 Rams. Yeah, the Philadelphia Eagles, led by now, Jalen Hurts, that they go up against the Arizona Cardinals. The 12-1 Chiefs will be down in the Big Easy, taking on the New Orleans Saints. The 9-4 Browns going up against the 5-8 New York, don't call us little, Giants. The game that was played on Thursday night, you had the Raiders find a way to lose that game to the Chargers by the score of 30-27. to 27. Game I just talked about, the Buffalo Bills knocked off the Denver Broncos by a score of 48-19. to 19. The other game, Matter of fact, let me give you the top performer, top performers in that game. Quarterback Josh Allen, the Buffalo was 28 of 40 for 359 yards, two TDs. Rushing yards, Zach Moss of Buffalo, 13 carries, 81 yards. And the top receiver of Buffalo, Stephon Diggs, 11 receptions and 47 yards. Which now leads us to the next game that was played today. The Carolina Panthers against the Green Bay Packers. And we are going to see exactly how that turned out. Because there were some chances, but there was also some blown chances. So let's just see how the Panthers and the Packers played out. First and goal of the one. Play action toss. Right side. Tunyon reaches end zone. Touchdown! Robert Tunyon in the gold zone and the offense celebrates 6-0. Packers Third down, a goal to go, the six. Rogers in the pocket, steps up, scrambles right, takes it himself to the end zone, touchdown. Now they had Blaster, man-to-man defense. Everybody's back to the quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers went in untouched as he circle-rooted the right hash marks into the end zone. So, yes, that was the Packers. 
coming away with a 24-16 victory in that game. However, the Panthers was in a situation to where they could have actually it was a one possession game and had they not made a costly mistake, well, let's just say we could have been singing the tune of a different game because it was a one possession score. But the Panthers squandered that opportunity. Once again, Green Bay Packers come away with the victory by the final score of 24-16. Top performers in that game, however, Teddy Bridgewater, Carolina, 21 of 35, 258 yards. Top rusher, Aaron Jones, Green Bay, 20 carries, 145 yards and one touchdown. And top receiver, DJ Moore, Carolina, six receptions, 131 yards. The Monday night game will also feature, will pit Pittsburgh, at 11-2, trying to overcome some of their illnesses, as in two back, two straight losses. I guess the cure-all would be a game against the 2-10 and 10 Cincinnati Bengals. Players are watching that game, Ben Roethlisberger, who on the season is 345 of 521 for 3,292 yards and 29 TDs. Top rusher to keep an eye on, James Conner, Pittsburgh, 155 carries, 663 yards, five TDs. Top receiver, Tyler Boyd, Cincinnati, 78 receptions, 840 yards, and four touchdowns. So there you have some NFL news as I get ready to bring this to a close. I also want to say that this is my 95th episode. So I'm slowly inching my way to episode 100. And my 100th episode, I'm going to make it an epic event. So I don't know if I'll be doing a lot of scoring updates, whatnot as I'll be reaching out to some people I know that's most likely influential in me doing what I'm doing because of the industry that I worked in. I had the opportunity to work in radio. Matter of fact, I still got my key to get into the station. To this day, that we, as we speak. But uh, there are some people that's influential in me wanting to do what I'm doing right now. We just get on here and try to attempt to talk sports. I don't claim to be no guru, but the liner that you hear 
Rick Thomas run the table. I've had a chance to sit in on his radio show when he was here in Wichita. Uh, I reached out to my good friend, Scott Styles. I had to reach out to him to let him know that I'm coming up on my 100th episode. So he is one I'm going to, if I even have, if I could take my laptop and go to Little Bend Golf Course and catch him out there, he's going to be on my 100th episode. That's no, I'm penciling him in right now, but I'm going to reach out to some other people. I'm just not going to give no names right now until I know I have these people secured. Uh, there are, I have an idea who I want to talk to. So on that 100th episode, that might be, I know it's going to be at least an hour and a half, but it may be a two-hour episode. Just just a heads up in case you are wanting to know what am I going to do for my 100th episode. I'm going to be talking to some people that have meant a lot to me in the if you want to call it radio podcast industry, uh, I'm, well, I am going to give you his name, Chris Allison. I'm definitely going to reach out to him, uh, maybe a coach or two. I have my own one coach in particular. I haven't talked to this coach since the state championship game. So that's just some little nuggets I'm throwing out there. Uh, those of you who listen to this podcast, I appreciate you dearly because if it's not, has it not been for y'all that actually listen to this, I probably wouldn't be doing this. Thinking I probably would because I'm, I'm basically just having fun doing what I do. And it's because I know there's somebody listening somewhere and I want to try to at least entertain and put a smile on their face. But I'm getting ready to bring this to a close. So until the next time, take care of yourself and each other. God bless.